Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Thanks for being here today. So I have a question to kick things off. I'm curious, what's the best gift you've ever been given? Just think about it for a second. What's the best gift you've ever been given? And now I want you to think about how did it make you feel when you got this gift? So I'll go ahead and tell you my favorite gift I've ever been given. Now, this is excluding gifts from my husband or gifts from my parents because, you know, there's been a lot of great ones over my lifetime. But one of my favorite gifts was given to me by some of our best friends, Makobe and Caitlin Donaldson, and they were in Orlando. And if you don't know, Orlando is one of my favorite places because I'm a Disney fanatic. I just really enjoy the Disney parks and I enjoy being there a lot. And my dream for my life is to someday be an annual pass holder to be able to actually go a couple times during one calendar year. But who even knows if I'll ever deal with that dream. My second dream for my life is to visit all the Disney parks in the world. So now that I've thoroughly embarrassed myself by telling you that, let me tell you about this gift. This was a photo that was matted, like a matted picture that they bought. And it was a picture of Walt Disney walking on the grounds that became Disney World. And there is a sort of clear or holographic type imprint of the Disney castle, the Disney World Magic Kingdom castle, sort of like, you know, fading onto this picture. And on the bottom, it had the quote, vision. And I loved this picture. I love this picture so much because it reminds me of Walt Disney walking on this ground, imagining what could become and the end product being so much better than he could have ever foreseen. But I really love this gift because these two people got me something that connected multiple areas of my life. In other words, they had seen who I am and spoke into that place. There's something about a gift that is just really life-giving for us. But in a spiritual sense, gifts are often misunderstood And sometimes we exchange the thinking about gifts with how we feel about rewards. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a home where having good grades was a big deal. And my dad would often pay us money if we had all A's. And, you know, that was sort of like a thing. We got an extra allowance that week if we had made all A's. That is a reward. A reward in and of itself is something that we work for, right? It's it's achievement-based. It's something that's given to us absolutely with strings attached. In other words, you would not be getting this thing if there weren't strings in play here. We work for it, it's earned, or we are incentivized by it and we accomplish and then we are, you know, we receive that reward. A reward is always based on merit. It's always based on what you can and cannot do. But a gift is something entirely different. A gift is given to you with no strings attached. A gift is given to be a blessing to you, and whatever you do with that gift is not up to the gift giver. 
A gift is given with no expectations. So a great gift, like my Walt Disney photo, is a gift that's given where you know the person is going to love it. But still, if you're giving it as a gift, you can't control what they do with it. You can't control how they use it. You can't control if they keep it. In my home growing up, I don't know why, we just never returned gifts. I mean, I don't think we bought much that we didn't know the person was going to like. But if there was sort of, you know, on Christmas morning, one thing that didn't really hit the mark, we would never take it back. That just wasn't how we were. Then I married my husband who takes everything back. And I thought that was so interesting, right? Because if somebody gives you something, isn't there this expectation that they're going to do something with it, that they're going to use it? Well, if it's truly a gift, then... No. If it's truly a gift, then whatever they do with it, even if they go take it back for cash, is entirely on them. Which leads me to wonder how much of us really understand what a gift really is. In a biblical sense, the difference between a gift and a reward is astronomical. It is huge. And when we don't identify the difference and the distinction there, What we do is we interchange those two words when that is a grievous error against God's heart. Let me me get really practical here. Salvation is a free gift. We did nothing to compel Jesus to take up the cross. It was his own decision. It was the, the joy of his heart. It was something he wanted to do for mankind. He, the Father, the Holy Spirit, together, they knew this is what was needed, and they gave this as a gift. It was not earned. As we know, if you've ever read the Old Testament in its entirety, the Israelites did not earn the reward of Jesus coming to go to the cross. They were not faithful continually from one generation to the next. So salvation and the invitation to be forgiven of our sins is genuinely a gift because it wasn't earned. But it's also a gift because there's no strings attached to what you do with it. God is not looking at you and saying, well, I sure wish I could love you, but I never will because you didn't accept my gift. I went to the cross for you. I gave you salvation, but you rejected it or you returned it. That's not really the truth. As painful and as awkward as it might sound, God loves you continually, whether or not you accept that love. In the same way that you get freedom to do with a gift what you want, you also didn't get to choose to be given the gift sometimes, right? Of course, there's expectation and obligation around holidays and birthdays and things like that. But if we're really getting down into what is a gift, it is the, the preference of the giver to give it. And in the same way, it's the preference of the givee, the recipient, to do whatever they want with it. So salvation is a free gift. But I'm guessing you've already thought about that. I'm guessing you've heard that enough to where it's kind of made its way through the various thoughts in your mind. But in the same way that salvation is a gift, the Holy Spirit gives gifts as well. The Holy Spirit gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 13 and Romans and sprinkled throughout the other you know, epistles of the New Testament, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the ways that he moves in us are at the preference of the giver and they are not rewards. 
Now, this is huge. This is so important for you and I to understand this because what we have done in a lot of circles of Christianity is we have looked at the people who have an exaggerant, an, an exuberant, and extravagant gift from God, and we have somehow wrongly assumed that they did something to earn that gift. In other words, we look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit as if they are rewards. If I'm good enough, God, can I prophesy more accurately? If I'm good enough, God, can I share my, my testimony and more people get saved? If I'm, if I'm good enough, God, if I, if I check every box, if I'm holy, if I keep myself pure, if I do all these things, can I have discernment like that person over there? Can I preach like that person? The answer is always going to be no, because the gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not rewards. The outworking of the ministry of God, when people are healed, when people are delivered, when people are saved, when people are are set free, when people, you know, experience some dramatic experience with God, all of that is from the preface and the understanding that this was a gift given to you, that you did nothing to earn it. Now, this is something I care deeply about because I don't know about you, but I am so tired of people exalting those who have an extravagant gift from God as if they are some immaculate, unflawed person that was rewarded for their merits to get what they got. Now, you might be thinking right now, what about being faithful in the little doesn't that connect? What about, you know, the pattern of life where we do good things and good things come to us? What, what about that? Well, I would say to you that it is true biblically that when we are faithful with the little things of our life, that God will entrust more to us. And so in that way, maybe that's a reward. But those things that he entrusts to us are not the same things as his gifts. I think what we've done is we've looked at the gifts of the Holy Spirit and we've sort of assigned them as rewards for someone's merit. And then we've counted ourselves out because we don't deem ourselves worthy enough for that type of a reward. And so we don't even engage with the Holy Spirit to see what he might do through us. Does this sound familiar? What I think is important is that we, we take the comparison between someone's gifting and someone's maturity, and we put those on two completely different columns instead of in the same row. In other words, your maturity and your gifting level are not necessarily connected. Now, I mean, you would think they should be, right? I mean, logic would say, yeah, I mean, the more mature a person is, they should be getting more of the gifting that they have. I'm just telling you, that's not really the way that it works, because God gives a gift as he sees fit. And when he gives it, he doesn't attach strings to it. Now, this might be really confusing for you. But I say this and I go here because I think it's so important for us to understand that that we, number one, cannot assume someone who is moving in the power of the Holy Spirit is a good leader. We can't assume they are of good moral character. We cannot assume that they are someone that we should implement every part of their life. And in the same way, on the other side of the spectrum, we cannot assume that God doesn't want to use you 
to do something extraordinary because he knows what you did last night. He he doesn't want to use you because he he knows the truth about what you're doubting right now. He doesn't want to use you because fill in the blank. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are just that. They're not rewards. God is not rewarding you for not cussing in the last two months. He is excited for you. He is glad about it. But you're not earning more favor from him by abstaining from sin. We earn more favor by being devoted to God. Now, I know what I just said might rub you the wrong way, but hear me out. When we realize the place that sin really has in life, then we don't abstain from sin to earn something from God. We abstain from sin because it no longer has power over us. Do you see the difference in the motivation there? As long as we're still pursuing this rat race of trying to be rewarded by God for our merits, then our motivation for abstaining from sin is flawed. We're doing it because we're trying to get something from God. But if we're really surrendering to him, if we're really receiving the gifts that he's given us, his unconditional love, his salvation, first and foremost, his presence, he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit to be with us. If we're really receiving those gifts, then we become powerful towards the things that are wrong in this world. We become able to do the right thing when we want to do the wrong thing for the right reasons, not because we're hoping God will give us a kudos on the back end. Do you remember those kudos bars? The little chocolate granola bars with tiny M&Ms inside of them. I loved those things as a kid. We're not trying to get God to reward us. I think even the heart behind being faithful in the little is not so that our thirst for ambition can be quenched by becoming the ruler over much. It's just an observation. Look, this is how God works. He sees how you handle your life. And if you're good at handling your life, he might give you more life to handle. That's a whole different thing than, look, Lord, do you see me? Do you see how good I'm being at this? Do you see how much I, I've not done this? Do you see how I haven't looked at porn for this long? Do you see how I haven't, you know, this and that? And we were like going, reward me, reward me, reward me. And God is looking and saying, I wish you would just experience my great love for you because you would be motivated to do all of these same wonderful things from a place of purity, from a place of, of peace, from a place of rest knowing that you don't have to twist my arm to get me to reward you. It's a difficult thing to think about, I think. I think as long as we don't understand gifts in real life, we have a really hard time understanding gifts in the Bible. This is why I asked you, think about your favorite gift and then think about how did it feel when you got that gift? There's been some great gifts in my life, things that I've wanted, things that I got that I knew on the back end I was going to have to earn or I knew I was only getting it because of something that I did. And although I enjoyed it, although I loved it, I have no regrets about it, it wasn't genuinely a gift. As a parent, I think about the way I give gifts to my kids even, and I think about how sometimes the gifts that I'm giving them are actually rewards in disguise. Sometimes the gifts that I'm giving them are because I'm proud of the, the decisions that they're making, and it compels me to want to give them something because I'm a gift giver. Sometimes it's, 
it's it's like a reward that I'm masking because I haven't sat down and actually looked at my heart. When we give gifts in this way, when you and I give gifts to others and we put strings on them, we expect something in return. We expect admiration. We expect appreciation. We expect, you know, uh, that that you're going to stay on the straight and narrow for at least a short amount of time after I've given you this thing. That's not a gift. That's a reward. A genuine gift is me saying, look, I got this for you. That's my choice. Not because you compelled me in any way, but just out of the greatness of my heart. And whatever you want to do with it is entirely up to you. Will I have an opinion? Possibly. But my job as a gift giver is to keep my opinion to myself. It's not to try to convince them that what I gave them, they should be happy about, they should be thankful for. So if you're hearing me say this and you're thinking, how did that gift make you feel? And you're realizing that maybe at some level that gift was actually a reward. I want to invite you into the process of really doing some soul searching and thinking about this. Because until you can really understand what a gift actually is, you're probably not going to be able to understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit, at least not in the way that God sees them. They are free. I can't understand why he would give a gift of, of words of knowledge and healing and, you know, or miracles even, like where people, you know, Benny Hinn style, they get up out of a wheelchair or, or they're raised from the dead, some kind of unbelievable extravagant gift from the Holy Spirit, and he gives it to someone who's very imperfect. We're experiencing this a lot in the American church right now over the last couple of years as so many people have been exposed, so many Christian leaders have been exposed with major sexual brokenness in their lives. And yet they have this gift that's operating. It's important for us to understand that it was a gift that was given and God doesn't do takebacks. That person may not be of good moral character, but he's not going to take his gift back. I, I don't understand it. I just know that's the rules he plays by. So if we can separate someone's gifting from their character and we can honor someone because of the character that's in their life, then we can understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit a little bit better. I love how one pastor who has seen so many miracles and, and, and unbelievable things happen, genuine miracles happen, he says it like this, I'm never impressed with someone's gifting, but I am, and he said, I'm not impressed when they have power in their life, the God's power working through them. He said, but I am impressed when they have character. I want to be like that, don't you? I want to be someone who's not impressed by the outworking of someone's life, but by the inworking, by what's going on inside of them, by who they actually are, when the lights are off, when nobody else is there. Let me just end by telling you one of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Elijah passes his mantle on to Elisha. And, you know, my firstborn son, my first kid, Eli, he's named after Elisha, the double portion prophet who doesn't get enough airtime. But there's this interesting moment. Elijah comes to Elisha and he basically gives him his invitation to come and follow me. And Elisha goes above and beyond and he follows him. And they go from city to city. And there's all of this prophetic symbolism in there I don't have time to get into. But at the end, 
Elisha gets up the guts to ask for a double portion. He says, I want to have a double portion of what you've been able to do. This is Elijah, the man who confronted Jezebel, who called down fire onto a water-soaked altar. This is someone who had tapped into something that was otherworldly. I think that's safe to say. And Elisha is saying, I see that, now double it. (laughs) And Elijah looks at him and says, look, I can't do that. I don't have that power. But I can tell you, if you keep your eyes on me when I'm taken away, it'll be given to you. Now, that sounds like a simple enough statement, an innocent enough statement, except that how he was taken away in the moments that followed was in a chariot of fire that appeared out of the air. We're talking about like someone who saw a UFO who cannot be unconvinced that they saw a UFO. A chariot on fire appears out of the sky, swoops down, you know, takes Elijah, sticks it in Elijah into the chariot and then goes back into heaven and then disappears. What? And Elisha's task, although seemingly innocent on the front end, was actually very difficult. Keep your eyes on me. When the spectacle of life is going on, keep your eyes on me. When the spectacle of the miraculous is happening in front of you, if you can stay focused you'll be given the thing that you desire. And we know that Elisha does. Elijah, as he's floating up into the sky, drops his cloak down, if I'm remembering that correctly. Elisha takes the cloak, he rolls it up, he goes over to the Jordan River and he tests it out. Did I pass? Did I fail? Let's see. And he touches the Jordan River with this rolled up cloak and the water parts. Yes. Yes. I did it. Do you know what it was that he did? He did not fall prey to distraction. He did not let the mystical manifestation of the presence of God make him look to that as opposed to keeping his eye focused on the target at hand. Elisha was a man of single-minded devotion. I'll do what you're asking me to do, Lord. In other words, Elisha had character. He had a character, and God rewarded his character with an increase of something that was already inside of him all along, the gift that God had given him all along. So I know there's a lot of back and forth in this. I know that this topic is a little bit like a swamp because as soon as you start looking one direction, you start to realize there's some murkiness in there. But here's where I want to land and what I want you to understand. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are just that. They're gifts. They're not rewards. They're not rewards. You do not have to spend your life trying to please God with every breath of your mouth, with every action of your life. You don't have to try to please God because he has already put his pleasure on you. What you get to do is receive that. And then from a place of character, from a place of knowing what's right, from a place of being whole, you do the right things. I am not in no way endorsing just go sin because it doesn't matter. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the reason why we abstain from sin can't be because we're trying to get God to do something for us. It's just not the way that God works. He's already given you everything that you need. So what are the gifts that he's put inside of you? Do you even know what they are? And what are the rewards that he's given you? Can you identify those? I think if you take a minute and just lean into these distinctions, you'll be able to have greater clarity in your mind and in your life. 
So that's where I'm going to leave you today. Thank you for listening. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.